Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is David Walker. You can call me DW, and I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only... <laughs> uh, I'm not even drinking, Gina. I'm sorry. The one and only... Forever Mad Online, Gina Kelly. Gina, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And listen, um, I did just get married a few months ago, and everybody's still getting used to my new last name. So that hesitation <laughs> was not because David forgot who I was. It's because he has a few times called me Gina Thomas out of habit, and he is trying to avoid that. So <laughs> I, I truly am. And it's even worse because we, in our Falcoholic chat, we have spent years turning your two initials into a, a, a variety of nicknames like Jimbly Tim Tom and mm-hmm. a whole host of others. And the, the new last name is completely throwing off the initials game. It is. It is. And David is the one in our group chat who corrects people who call me Jimbly Tim Tom. He's like, no, it's Jim <laughs> Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a little insight for you folks who listen to the podcast into uh, our uh, day-to-day neuroses at thefalcoholic.com. Um, this podcast today is to talk about your feedback, uh, the listeners and the readers at the site, those who interact with us on Twitter, uh, for your predictions for the upcoming, oh my God, I, I can't, like I'm dreading this, the Falcons Monday Night Football game against Green Bay. Uh, it's your predictions, your bold takes. We're going to go through them uh, and we're just going to commiserate together as the Falcons stare down 0-3 and potentially an 0-4 start for the first time since 1999. Uh, so Gina, you've got the lists in front of you as well as I do. Have you seen any comments you want to start off this podcast with? Um, yeah, let me look. I would like to start with um, one a bold prediction here from Ramon Mayo. And Ramon says, Dan Quinn will be fired at halftime. <laughs> We're going to come in hot on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, as, as much as many, many Falcons fans would like to see that, I, I personally don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, but- I agree. Um, I, I think that I said this on the podcast, um, and I think that, you know, if we, if we look at the way the Bobby Petrino situation unfolded, one thing that I've heard from multiple people, um, you know, inside the organization is that that was a really difficult thing for um, Arthur Blank. He just knowing how disrupted the players were, and it was a devastating situation for players, you know, and obviously a, a head coach taking another job and then like letting you know with a note in your locker that he didn't even put in there. He made a staffer do it so that he could go home at two in the oh. morning. Um, yeah. And Bobby Petrino's piece of shit, just as a reminder, but um, forever. Yes. But it, it was really difficult on the players. And while firing an underperforming head coach is, you know, certainly a, a different situation than what Petrino did um, doing it at halftime as, 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 satisfying as that might be for Falcons fans, it is just not going to happen. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be very shocked if, you know, unless they just start out like 0 and 6 or something, um, 
even if they win one game in this early stretch, I think that it will be enough to keep Quinn around at least through the bye. Um, so yeah. Yep. Uh, I completely agree with you. And and really in, in a season like this, where the teams are having to navigate, not just this season uh, in particular, but also this season within the context of a pandemic makes it that much harder. And I saw someone say this week on Twitter, they felt like turnover in the NFL is going to be really limited uh, this year because of the juggling of all the stuff they have to do around the pandemic. And I think that's probably spot on. Um, and I think that could be a reason you might see Dan Quinn here for an entire season regardless. But uh, I'm with you, uh, Gina, as much as uh, I think many fans would love to see it. I'd be very, very surprised if anything happens until the bye week, which is for the Falcons week 10. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and I know that that's late in the season. I, you know, I know that we've seen reports from, you know, various people saying uh, Dan Quinn has a playoff mandate this season. Like, just get that out of your head because I do not see it happening. Um, but it is a very unusual season. You know, as of this morning, Saturday morning, um, we saw that the Patriots Chiefs game is is going to be postponed because Cam Newton has coronavirus. So there are just a lot of things up in the air. Switching out head coaches midseason is is really disruptive and really difficult, even if you're just promoting somebody off of the coaching staff as an interim. And honestly, I think that if you look at the performance of this team on both sides of the ball, there's really not anybody there that I feel a lot more confident in. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I feel like if you move somebody who's already on staff in the head coaching position, you're going to have the same issues that this team is already having. Um, because I feel like all the blame for this doesn't just rest on Dan Quinn. I think it's a coaching issue yep. kind of across the board. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because it's such a weird season, we could just see them write it out. Dan Quinn goes on Black Monday and then, you know, next year we're looking at a uh, at starting over with somebody new. So I've got a comment for you, and this is from the, the Falcoholic from the uh, article that went up. Uh, and this is from Kenny Kane. He says, mark my words, the Falcons will either shock us all and win Monday or blank keeps Quinn around and we manage to beat Carolina because of the middling teams coming up, end up three and five after eight games. This would be the validation that blank needs to not pull the trigger, that the team has turned a corner, so to speak. Then we have the obligatory five and three finish that blank would again use to justify keeping Quinn with his improved eight and eight record. The best bet for a logical parting of the ways is an other humiliation on national television embarrassing us for a third consecutive week. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm honestly pretty much with Kenny here. That's something that I could see happening. I, I could mm -hmm. see exactly like kind of the worst case scenario that he laid out. We've seen it happen from this team multiple times. Um, and so, yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. I think that he is probably correct. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I just, it's very dark. <laughs> very dark. Like now, now that I'm delving into this, I'm wishing that I had a mimosa to help me get through this podcast. Because honestly, <laughs> this team is a. Uh, it requires something stronger than coffee. Yeah, yeah it does. Oh man, um, let's go to one of our voicemails. Uh, see what our call-in uh, has turned into. <laughs> uh, you know, so. I, I feel like everything right now with the Falcons is a hellscape. So why would we expect the voicemails to be any different? Exactly. Yes. I feel like that we should go back to the scheme that we was running in 2012 when we went um, 13 and three. I really feel like that's the scheme that we should do. And I mean, because we have the players, we have the talent, 
And I feel like with that scheme, along with the new talent that we have, along with Zaya Julio and Peyton Hurst and all of them, I think that that will really help. Okay, interesting. That was a Mike Nolan-led defense for going back to 2012, so I want to keep that in mind. I thought he was talking about the offense, though, because he said the talent that you have in addition to Julio Jones. And if he's yeah. talking about the offense, now that that's a whole that makes a, a lot more sense because it does. Twitter was the he was the offensive coordinator in 2012, and yep. they were much more successful than they have been with this offense. And they do have that they're actually stacked with talent in a way that that I mean they obviously had talent. You know, Roddy was still here. Um, you know, obviously Julio is ex- Tony G. Tony Gonzalez. Um, a, I can't remember who was running back then. The I, ghost of Michael Turner. The ghost of Michael Turner. Okay, so that that had already declined at that point in time. But I think that we had Snelling and um and Weems, mm-hmm. to, who was you know was at least good to be tossed into other people as a blocking shield for <laughs> um <laughs> you know, obviously a receiver, not part of the backfield, but he certainly had his role in the running game. Um and. <laughs> If we do think about that, you know, and, and look at these circumstances that Cutter's been dealing with, I mean, he was brought in and told to essentially keep operating like a like a a battered shell of the of the wide zone that Shanahan was running, and that's not his offensive philosophy. And so, nope. actually, I think that that's a really um, I think it's a really interesting topic of discussion. Like, should they just yeah take off the handcuffs and let Dirk Cutter run his own scheme. And if you look at the 2012 season, I think that there's some justification to support that. Uh, I think it's, that's a very good point. And uh, I did get mixed up when he said defense, because yeah. anytime I think about a Mike Nolan defense, my, my immediate reaction is, Oh God. Yeah, uh, I, I know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, when, when you had first mentioned this one to me, I was like, why would you ever want to go back to that? But, uh, but then, then he said Julio Jones, and I was like, "Oh, now we're talking!" Like, I, I mean, I with the with the context that 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 was Cutter running his actual scheme. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a, a an interesting topic for discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a comment or tweet for us there? Yeah, I sure June. do. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> here is. Um, one of my favorite comments, uh, from, I don't, I don't know. The, the Twitter name is NFFC are magic one, two, three. Um, their prediction is big surprise. Um, no, I'm joking. We are losing. Let's face it. And then <laughs> Aaron says as a Falcons fan, we're going to lose 48 to 17. Um, oh. there are just a bunch of good predictions in here. Um, there are. Yeah. I can't read these people's names. Secrut Ninja. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good, this is a prediction that I want to discuss. Okay. We get a lead, make no second half adjustments and lose in the fourth. And you know, that actually sounds like a, not only a real possibility for this weekend, but also a recap of most of this season. (laughs) Deal with that. Like how many games do they have to lose in a ridiculous way for them to start thinking, Hey, Maybe we should make some adjustments. I, I, I've often gone back and wondered if I did something in the previous life and that all of this is just a punishment mm-hmm. uh, and that, the, you know, 2020 is sort of like the apex point. 
Um, and then the Falcons are just, you know, part of that ongoing punishment for my afterlife. But uh, <laughs> then I see everyone else is suffering with me and I realize either we're all in hell together or this is just, you know, a new reality for this franchise, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, God, how did we get here? Um, all right, let's get to another voicemail. Let's see what we've, we've got. What other thoughts here? Yeah, I feel like this. The Falcons should go back to the two. Oh, wait, wrong. That We already played that one. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, this is my game prediction for Monday night. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> I, I I think he just gave up. I think so too, which as a Falcons fan, um I think that we can all relate to that. All right, <laughs> I've got one. I've got okay. one. Um, from the site, it's from a reader over the falcoholic.com, Canadian falcoholic, who wants to know how many leads can we blow in one season? Well, my friend, there are 16 games. <laughs> as, long as, as long as the Falcons don't have any get uh, canceled due to COVID. And I think that we can all agree that the uh, this team is going to max out at 16 games this year because I don't really see this team as a playoff caliber team. So how many leads can we blow in one season up to 16? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Te- technically that is mathematically the, the max for this year. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> uh, that's the kind of, you know, aiming high that I hope the Falcons don't do. But, um, you know, I, after what we've seen weeks one through three, I have to say nothing will surprise me at this point. Yeah. Um, JT33 at the site, at thefalcoholic.com in the comments, uh, he added a comment and said, uh, uh, if this team continues doing what it's been doing, Atlanta will somehow miraculously turn it all around any minute now. Maybe it'll be this week. As I've been saying, not that it earns me many likes. Popular points are apparently being included on the podcast. You're being included now. This defense has been the culprit, not Matt Ryan, who famously needs a clean pocket to operate from, and not Todd Gurley, who actually ran consistently well nearly all game and who courageously stood up for Dan Quinn and the media. So good on you, Todd. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I actually agree. I, I think the defense has been the big problem here. I know a lot of people have been criticizing some of Matt Ryan's passes, and he, you know, he's going to be the first person to step up and say that. You know, he wishes he had some of those passes back, mm-hmm. uh, that he was a little bit more accurate, that he had made a better read. Um, but I always go back to the fact that if your offense is averaging around 28 to 30 points per game and you need them to score more, the problem is not your offense. No, it's not. And Matt Ryan didn't have a strong of a game on last week against the Bears, but the first two weeks he actually looked really, really sharp. Um, and so, you know, last week was a little bit more of an anomaly for him. Um, and part of that is because, you know, two of his top three receivers got hurt. And so those are all factors that you have to weigh in when you look at his performance, because, you know, every every game you're you're talking about, you know, 11 guys on the field at any given time. And they are all responsible for the outcome, as well as the coaches over there on the sideline. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, the defense has very clearly been the bigger issue. Um, you mm-hmm. can't look at the way that this offense performed, especially in the first two weeks. And I mean, you know, against the Cowboys also, it was special teams that were. Uh, and right. um, I think that we can all agree on that. But uh, yeah, I really think that the defense is, is much more of, of the concern here, which is, I feel, a familiar refrain for Falcons fans. 
Yeah, uh, we've talked about it in the past on this podcast, at the site, on Twitter, uh, you and I, Gina, and, and Matt Ryan in his entire career has had a top 10 defense once, once. The rest of the time they have been literally uh, 15 or lower. So he is he has consistently never had not even a mediocre defense. Most of the time he has been saddled with terrible defenses, including, by the way, 2016 when they went to the Super Bowl uh, and even going into that game, that defense was ranked uh, really in the bottom 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though they were making plays, they were still not a, a particularly good unit at that point. So, yeah, I, it like you said, familiar refrain and entirely frustrating. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hit another voicemail here and see what our listeners have blessed us with. Hey, everybody. I'm Kevin. I think this is the Hope game. Well, we actually beat the Green Bay Packers, then fought flat through the very next week. Yeah, I know. It sucks to be a Falcon fan. Love your faces. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, this is becoming a familiar refrain in, yeah. in these messages, Gina, this idea that this is the hope game. This is the one the Falcons miraculously pull off. Mm-hmm. Um it it feels like a, a, a shared trauma amongst Falcons fans where it's like, oh, yeah, they win this one and then they devastate us again. Yeah. And actually, that was that that was the next uh, tweet that I was looking at was basically the exact same refrain, you know, from Cody Morgan. Cody says they're strong mentally, a high scoring game coming down the final possession. Dan loves to see Carolina. They're weak mentally, horrendous loss, 38 to three. The team completely quits and they're defeated and Dan is out of there, which I still think is too early for, for Quinn to be fired. I think that, you know, if they're competitive against the Packers, I think that we would be much more likely to see them, you know, kind of extend the benefit of the doubt, um, especially given all of the uncertainty around COVID. Yep. Uh, Likewise, uh, right underneath him, uh, Fire Dan Quinn 2020, uh, which is his handle is Ray Falcon 11, says, Unfortunately, we find a way to win impressively, and people start rethinking Fire Dan Quinn because we should be 3 and 1 minus two epic collapses. Then a cakewalk for the next four or five games. It's scary. I hope we just go get blown out and DQ fired to save us from seven and nine. Holy cow. Yeah, this is a theme. Holy moly. Yeah. Um, you know, and. You still have a few uh, optimistic Falcons fans. I don't know how. Maybe they were actually born after the Super Bowl in 2016, so their whole whole <laughs> not yet been thoroughly crushed. Um, if I don't know how they're they're already able to type and tweet, they're definitely too young to be on the internet. But um, it's you know, impressive. Matt Evans says we won't blow a lead versus Packers. I love your enthusiasm, Matt. Um, <laughs> I apologize that I cannot mention it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're sorry, Matt, but we're just not there. <laughs> I'm much more um, inclined to agree with Casey Aaron on Twitter, who says, as a Falcons fan, we're going to lose 48 to 17. <laughs> like, that's much more where my mind is. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to criticize Falcons fans, because I, I will say one of the things that is so great about sports is even when you're down, uh, there is always that hope that you can turn it around. It has been done in the past. Um, Owen three is not a death knell. No. Uh, this team does have talent. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of really, really great players. And, you know, we've got some predictions here. And I think, you know, some of these may truly be um, 
authentic and just fans that still want to, and they're choosing to believe in their teams. I want to honor that. So, you know, Beck Elmer underscore official says Falcons win 38, 34. Uh, incidentally, I think that's what it's going to take. I think it's going to take a high scoring game for them to win. Um, Aldo rain, uh, shady, nasty 11 B, uh, his handle. Um, he said Falcons win 34, 24. I feel like maybe the 24 is low, but, uh, mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is, you're right. I mean, there's still some optimism. <laughs> I feel like you and I, we follow this team closely and that Super Bowl looms large in our heads. Uh, but I, I also feel like there are a lot of fans who their, their style of fandom, they're always going to see the bright side of this team. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily not give them a voice. I feel like they, you know, they get to be a fan in the way that they choose to be as well. I think that that's really important. And I think, you know, right now, when you look at everything going on in the world, you know, I, I'm a, I say all the time, like we need to take joy where we can find it. And if you are able to take joy from being optimistic about the Atlanta Falcons, nobody should take that from you except for the Atlanta Falcons who really, (laughs) and I am, I am angry at them on your, um, yeah, I mean, everybody should be a fan the way that they want. If you're able to be optimistic about this team, that's good. Do it. I hope yeah. you're able. I hope that they give you reasons to continue to be optimistic about them. We all deserve something good these days. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I, I feel like there are some fans who they they hear us offer criticisms, and sometimes we joke around about uh, their ability to just collapse and find new ways to crush us, which I hold to. I'm not backing off of any of that. That is still very much true. Um, but there is not a single week when the Falcons play where I don't want them to win. I've, you know, I've never personally been on board with the idea of tanking. Mm-hmm. When I see Matt Ryan and Julio Jones step on the field, and I see two guys who I think will ultimately end up in the Hall of Fame, I want them to go out there and beat whoever it is they're playing. I don't care if we are sacrificing the potential for a high pick. Yeah. I care about these guys winning this game. So I don't want any fan listening to this podcast to think that you know we are – that we hate this team. It's quite the opposite. We're frustrated because we love this team so, uh, for whatever reason. I'm going to um, add a caveat. I, there are many, many times that I do hate this team, but here's uh, there, <laughs> a tweet from, tweet from years ago that um, our, our Eagle site manager shared with me recently, Brandon Lee Gouton over at um, bleeding green nation. And it was an Eagles fan who essentially said, um, I'm an Eagles fan, which means I hate them very much and I want them to win more than anything. Resonates <laughs> <laughs> with me. I think that when you're a, a fan of a team like the Falcons or the Eagles who are prone to like, especially this year, <laughs> it seems for the Eagles are really ridiculous losses and or ties with the Bengals. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's, it, there's a lot of conflict between wanting the team to win more than anything and having them just disappoint you on a constant basis so that's why that's why i say i hate this team but i do want them to win very much and i actually do yeah. love this team otherwise i would not devote this much time and energy to being angry about them yeah this this team truly makes me understand what people mean when they say they have a love-hate relationship with something yeah absolutely and sorry there's a, a i think a military jet going above over <laughs> above my house and so i was trying not to have that uh, that extremely loud noise. But um, anyway, no, I completely agree. Yeah. All right. Let's hit another voicemail. See what we've got waiting for us. Okay. So here's my hot take. The Falcons will go up by 16 points 
to green oh. the fourth and blow another lead. Honestly, I don't even really care. They blow leads every day. It's just depressing, and I'm not going to care. I'm not watching the season, and I'm not going to cheer for the Falcons until Dan Quinn is gone. Let's go, Green Bay. Damn the Falcons. <laughs> As we said, love-hate relationship. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, I mean, again, <laughs> I can't bring myself to root for another team, but I have picked against the Falcons every single week this year, including this week. Um, I just yeah. have a lot of confidence in this team right now with what we've seen in terms of the, the discipline, the sloppy play, and those are problems that we've been complaining about for the past couple of years. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I get I get the frustration. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay snack It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay snack bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Um, yep. I do have one here I, I see on the Falcoholic.com. It's, it's a reply to Please Before I Die Falcons, who, uh, let me just read their prediction real quick. Packers 30, okay. Falcons 7 at the half. Two garbage time TDs and a field goal let the Falcons outscore the Packers in the second half, who twist the knife with a long field goal and a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Ryan sacked five times, 12 hits. Um, Aaron Rodgers hit twice, and both are called roughing the passer. That does sound about like that sounds on par for the Falcons. Um, Quinn in postgame, we didn't focus well enough in the first half. We will emphasize focus this week in practice. I feel like, please, before I die, Falcons left out something important here. We're pissed off. We're pissed off. We're really pissed off this time. Like, I, we've been pissed off for the past several weeks, but now we're extra pissed off. It's even <laughs> in all caps, pissed off. Um, and then, uh, so, yeah. And Kenny Kane responded and he said, I think that this is an interesting topic of conversation. I know Matt Ryan is, quote, company Matt, but I just can't help thinking that if he would lose it as in a controlled rage and instead of getting in front of the cameras, serving up cream puffs like we just need to execute better or when you lose a game like that, it's tough. Say just once, damn it, I'm tired of this bleeping losing. Um, he must have forgotten that we are fond of swears on this podcast. <laughs> losing either you want to win and play smart or get the hell off this team or anything other than his usual soft war statements after brutal losses then storm off that would get a lot of guys attention in that locker room yeah you know what's it's funny because we've talked about this mm-hmm. i feel like matt ryan has people have this perception of him that who you see in the press conferences is who he is on the field yeah and, and that is not at all the case this is the this guy, guy. This is the guy who told Greg, who told the the Packers to, or the, I'm sorry, the Panthers to get the fuck off his field. 
Right. You know? You've seen him yelling at people like, get fucking set. Like we know that Matt Ryan is, is actually a pretty fiery individual on the football field. So, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I respect the fact, and I don't think it's very easy for him to be like, well, we just didn't execute the way that we wanted to, but he isn't the kind of guy who's going to throw his coaches or teammates under the bus. And however much that might seem warranted sometimes it's not good leadership. No, it's not. And I, I think that there's probably a lot that he does say in the locker room that he says in the meetings. Um, and I think the fact that he doesn't throw those guys uh, under the bus in public mm-hmm. will, will make his voice in private to those guys matter more. They will respect it more because they know he's keeping it in house. Um, and let me assure you guys, Matt Ryan, absolutely. Uh, is a leader in that locker room. There is zero doubt about that. I want to go back to a story I read that Peter King wrote back in 2016 in the week uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. And he was watching one of the Falcons practices. And uh, it it was just a small anecdote, but it, it just showed me that people have this perception of Matt Ryan that's just not in jive with reality. And uh, Peter King wrote about uh, the Falcons offense lining up and Taylor Gabriel was apparently not lined up in the right spot. And he said Ryan just gave him this stare that he he watched Ryan just stare him down and then bark at him. Um and that you know got Gabriel to you know snap right back into where he was supposed to be. And it just shows like there's a lot you guys don't see about Matt Ryan. Um and because he is such a true professional but don't make don't don't mistake that for him being uh you know a mild and meek guy behind the scenes. Yeah, don't mistake his kindness and good leadership for weakness. Um yeah. because really I, I think that the the most important thing and, and the most important attribute that Matt Ryan brings to this team is that leadership. This team would not have had the success that they have been able to achieve during his time frame without his leadership. I think that he is an extremely underrated part of this team's success. Um, uh, You know, I will think until the day that I die that Matt Ryan never got enough credit. And I know that we do our best to make up for that, but he is actually a very special player all around. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, his his talent, his skill, his leadership, his poise under pressure. He is, he just has all the attributes that you really want in a franchise quarterback. And whether people agree with it or not, this team has been incredibly lucky to have him since 2008. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, this isn't intended to be a Matt Ryan defending podcast, but uh, when all is said and done and we look back and, and over the length of his career, the numbers he will have put up. Uh, and I know people always like, oh, well, they're just stats. Well, you know what? The stats actually do mean something. Um, and yeah. especially when they add up to this level where he is literally every single player he is surrounded by on the yardage list. I think there's one exception. Every single player is either a future Hall of Famer or is already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, literally Allen is probably the outlier there. Um, yeah, I don't I haven't looked at those at those rankings this week, but I know last week he was the only one that I was like, oh, um, so, yeah, uh, you know, and he's consistently in the the top, you know, for yards for um, completion percentage, all that kind of stuff. Like he's mm-hmm. a very steady, reliable player and a very good leader for us. Yeah, more than good enough to win the Super Bowl with if you build a complete team and the Falcons just haven't done that in his time. So um, I feel like this is a good comment uh, and I want to get this one in because I think this points to something that maybe uh, the offense does have a little bit of uh, stepping up. They need to do. And this is from dirty bird flap. And 
he has a, a much longer comment, but I'm going to read just the first paragraph because I think he hits at something that's really, really interesting here. Yeah, yeah. As as problematic as this defense has been, the total snaps they've been on the field weeks one, two, and three are 62, 82, and 82 respectively. Wow. While the first week is fair, those last two weeks are unsustainable for any defense. The Falcons' offense this season are the sixth best scoring offense, and they're tied for first in the league for total offensive drives, 38. They are 28th in the league for total time per drive at 2 minutes, 20 seconds. Now, see, that is a very, very fair perspective, a great topic of discussion, and something that Mm -hmm. really important context for this team's performance. Um, And, you know, look at how little success the Falcons have had running the ball. I I think that we all had some reservations about Todd Gurley um, because of his knee, you know, his overall health. But I also don't really love the way that he's being used. I don't think that he's being used effectively. I don't think that running on second and long every single time you have a second and long is a very good offensive game plan. I don't think that that's a smart strategy. Um, and yeah. so I don't think that Dirk Cutter is putting the, the run game in a position to succeed. And if they were, then we would probably see a, a different you know time per drive. If they can't get anything going on the ground, that offense is going to be on and off the field way too quickly to let the defense recover. And when you look at how the defensive injuries are stacking up, that adds another really problematic wrinkle into that whole. Yep. Yep. And to that point, you know, the second and long, uh, we shared this statistic with each other. And I think uh, someone wrote about it on the site. I think Kevin uh, wrote about this, but the Falcons are actually third worst in the league in passing out of second and long. Like that means of all the teams in the league, they're the third highest that runs out of second long. So Falcons fans who've been complaining about uh, the team running in second and long all the time, you're actually dead on. They do it way too much. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. Right. All right. We're going to let's hit a couple more voicemails and uh, get ourselves over to these college football games. Perfect. So let's see what we got. Man, I just don't understand how this is fair. How this is even good. How this is positive for anyone, for us to have to go all Sunday without seeing Falcons football, and then prime time Monday have to watch them play the blazing hot Packers. I mean, like I would much rather take a game where we like, I don't know, lose in the fourth quarter because you know maybe we like doing that or something. (laughs) You know, Dan Quinn gets fired not on prime time television. Not, you know, Monday night football, not the fucking largest stage we can put him on to watch him flail and fail. I mean, I I don't think we need another embarrassment right now as a Falcons fan. I prefer not to have one. I feel you, my guy. I mean, I think that that's all very valid. Um, Yeah, when I realized that this was a Monday night football game, on one hand, I was glad that I could just like watch games on Sunday and not be pissed off the entire time. But on Mm -hmm. the other hand, I was like, well, I guess my Monday is going to be worse than usual. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, this is the mindset of a Falcons fan. Um, And the Packers, I don't know, like – the Falcons have had their number for the past few years, but this is a very different year. Yeah, and, it uh, is. You know, Devontae Adams, I think that he'll be healthy enough to play. They are going to be missing Lazard, which I didn't expect um, on on Football Cheat Sheet, the fantasy and DFS and gambling podcast that I do for SB Nation. We 
I actually said, you know, you want to keep an eye on Devonte Adams' status and maybe pick up Lazard. Um, and then, of course, like a few hours later, found out that he was going to be out for a bit. Um, but you know, they've uh, Jimmy Graham has been a pretty good target for um, Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Jones, especially if Grady Jarrett is either is not one hundred percent. Um, you know, I just feel like he could really have a big day against the, I mean, I just think about this matchup, this, the Packers offense and the Falcons defense. And I just want to, I, I want my cable to go out so that I cannot watch (laughs) no way around it. Oops. I don't know. I can't, I can't find a stream. I can't get a stream to work. Maybe my internet's out. I don't know. I can't, (laughs) I just can't watch this team today. (laughs) I'll I'll just read about them tomorrow. I'll just read about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, um, in, I'm calling in dead to uh to Monday Night Football. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to that point, Gina, um, BP Paul on the site wrote uh, predictions. Remember when DQ said that he was unimpressed with Lafleur while he was on the Falcons coaching staff? <laughs> this is payback. Yeah. Um. That actually is a really really good uh good comment to bring up, especially since it was something that LaFleur was asked about last week, this this past week. Um, And, you know, it was something that our staff was angry about at the time. We never understood why they didn't even give him an offer, like didn't even consider him. Um, Right. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, stepping into an offense like Green Bay is where you've got a a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Um, It certainly is a pretty soft landing spot for your first head coaching job. Um, But yeah. That is, uh, <laughs> that is actually really, I'm sure that he is going to embarrass this defense. <laughs> I, um, I just have a year one time where we actually have to wonder if they're going to look bad on Sunday or if they're going to make stupid mistakes or blow a game. Like at least keep, uh, be good enough to keep us guessing from week to week. Like there's no, right. <laughs> no kidding. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, I'm tired of being this negative guys. <laughs> Give me something I know. positive about. Yeah. Actually I want them to win. That way we can have a podcast where we're talking about a great win and how great everyone looked. And cause the, the negativity does become sort of like, you know, after three games it, it is, it's getting monotonous. <laughs> like just from a writing and podcast standpoint, uh, I feel like we all need a break as well. Um, and I, I just want to say, because, uh, people on Twitter and people at the site give me a lot of flack for it. I do recurring series for the Falcons, including who was the MVP on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it is painful for me to write those after a loss. Yeah. Um, you know, I know so, Carter does something similar at the site. Um, yep. Does, yeah. Hat tips and head scratchers. And let's just say there've been a lot more head scratchers. Head scratchers. <laughs> And the three up and three down, it's like, can we do zero up and six down this week? Yeah. Um, yes. Zero up and, and 20 down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Two, two more voicemails. We'll close this out. Okay. Hey, it's talking fans all over Atlanta. I've been a soccer fan since 1979. I have seen various teams go in and out, ownership, whatever. And this year here is different. Of course it is, because we're dealing with the pandemic and we're dealing with other things. But I don't think people in Georgia should give up on Atlanta. Atlanta Falcons actually is the best 0-3 team in the league. Not only that, they're mm. the best team in the NFC South and the best team in the NFC. I think what people need to do for frame from, from trying to dismantle the organization, dismantle everything, let's wait to Monday night. 
when Atlanta stunned the Green Bay Packers on national TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to bet you Atlanta going to do the same thing it did to the 49ers. Stunned. The 49ers, they're going to do the same thing this time. I'm addicted to score to be 34, actually 34 to 27. Ooh. I think wow. Atlanta will get the lead. Packers probably get the lead first. I'm going to say the Packers are going to get the lead first. And Atlanta going to have to come back and win the game. Atlanta actually is a, one of the best teams I've ever seen. They're struggling like this time. Sometimes you get lax, like we all do. Mm-hmm. But let's not throw in the tower and telling all the black you need to fight you and doing all this stuff. We only three games into the season. There's 16 games in the season. Mm-hmm. Let's not throw away the team yet. Let's wait to Monday night. And if they're 0-1-4, that's when you'll see Arthur pull the trigger. Arthur's not going to pull the trigger until he sees no life in the organization. I see life in the team. I think this team is burned. They got a young secondary, young linebackers, the young defensive line. I think this team is better than people give them credit for. And I think they're going to show it Monday night. So uh, I love it. Yeah, I, uh, my, my initial thought is I think that the team needs to hire that man. Bring, yes. bring that gentleman in on game days. Let him give the team a pregame pep talk. Let him address the team at halftime. And I tell you what, I think that they might be ready to run through a wall because everything that he's doing, <laughs> you know what? Actually, <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, yeah. But he's right. And and I think that that was actually a, a really, a really nice antidote to all the negativity that we were spewing. And I, I think that he made a lot of really good points. I mean, when you look at the rest of the division, um, Tampa Bay has certainly not hit its stride. And it seems like they're dealing with injuries to big name players every yep. week. And, um, you know, they haven't really been able to get Gronkowski involved. Brady has not looked, I mean, he's looked more in line with what we saw from him in his last season in New England. The mm-hmm. the Saints will get Michael Thomas back this week. So, you know, Breeze might have a lot more short completions than he has in the past <laughs> with him sidelines. But, um, you know, they have looked, Breeze's arm looks done. And, yep. you know, they, they have looked pretty ordinary in general. Um, I think that they're a team that is, being hindered much more by the fact that you can't, that they don't have fans in the stadium. Um, I think that they rely a lot on their home field advantage. And then, you know, looking at the Panthers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think that the, the, the best point that that gentleman made is that, um, you know, the division is wide open and the division yes. is, is going to what it, that's going to be what matters most, you know, also the playoffs are expanded this year, which also, you know, gives teams that are maybe getting off to a rocky start a little bit of, of a better chance of actually being able to make it to the postseason and, and making some noise. And I, I keep coming back to this on a regular basis, just how different it is to have a season without any preseason games. We mm-hmm. have seen um, a lot of non-contact type of injuries this season. We've seen a lot, a lot of injuries early to key players. And I think some of that is the inability to do the standard like off-season um, conditioning work that they typically do under the supervision of the of team staff. Um, but then I also think that not having any like really full speed, full contact before that, I, I feel like these four first four weeks of the season are essentially going to be, you know, a little bit like preseason. So we also may not have a, a really full idea of what the identity of any of these teams will be. Um, teams yeah. aren't in vanilla schemes like they do in preseason, but I think that a lot of teams are still really shaking off the rust. And I think the Falcons could be in that boat for sure. 
So yeah. you know, it may be a situation where we do see them get better. I, I know that, and I fully understand because it's, it's certainly my tendency too. the tendency to just write them off as, you know, <laughs> as, <laughs> as trash because they disappoint us so often. But I think that that, I think that that guy made a lot of really good points and I think that they're worth considering. He did. And, uh, and that's, you know, Gina's, when you and I started talking about this idea of getting feedback and integrating it into the podcast, it was for this reason, because a lot of times, you know, we are very close to the team in, in the sense that we watch them closely. You know, we're constantly, you know, getting updates about the players and we're watching these games and we're writing about them on a daily basis, tweeting about them on an hourly basis sometimes. Um, and, and I think, it would be easy for us to lose sight of what it is to be a fan and what it is to believe in something uh, when you get to the point where you're just like inundated with all the details. And, and yet I feel like everything he had to say, as you mentioned, it was completely valid. Like there, this team does have talent. Julio Jones is an all-time talent. Matt Ryan is a Hall of Famer. Well, and um, guys like Russell Gage who have stepped up. Yeah. And Ridley, I expect to be good, but I'm not sure if I expected him to be as good as he's been. Russell yep. Gage has been just a, a delight to watch. I think that Hayden Hurst is showing some flashes. Um, I think that mm-hmm. they've got the potential to not be so bad in the backfield. Um, I think that we've seen, especially in pass protection, you know, some really cohesive play from the line. Um, and then, you know, the talent on defense is a little more scattered, but they're also dealing with a lot of entries. The secondary has been absolutely decimated this season, which has made it a lot harder for the pass rush to generate any kind of consistent pressure. And it's let, you know, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, um, he, even Nick Foles kind of throw all over him. And so, yeah. yeah, I just I just think that there are a lot of there were a lot of angles in that voicemail that I think are really important points. And I'm glad that he called in to share those, because I think that those are definitely valid things to think about. They are. Um, so I'm going to end with the uh, the reader and listener uh, feedback there. And Gina, I want to ask you for your prediction mm-hmm. for this upcoming game. So, and this is another thing that we talked about yesterday on Football Cheat Sheet. Um, you know, looking at the over-under for this game, I think that it is, I got to look it up. I think that it's 56.5 on DraftKings, 58 point five maybe wow um, yeah on that's a lot of points so i i gotta say like i might be willing to take the over if it's 56.5 just because (laughs) the the packers defense has a lot of weaknesses too and we already know what the what the falcons skill player talent is like um i think that they could really create some opportunities take some advantage there but ultimately i think that the packers win so I am going to say, let me see. I'm so bad at math. Um, let's see, 35 to 31. Oh, so still a relatively close game. Yeah, yeah. And that okay. put us right at 56. No, wait, that puts us at 66. Like I said, I'm bad at math. Um, <laughs> in that case, so in that case, take the over. Yes. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to say... Uh, it's in Green Bay and the Falcons have played Green Bay really well when they're at home. So, uh, and they're not at home. Uh, and unfortunately I, I do think right now that this has nothing to do with the players. I just think the coaching is not where it needs to be. Just some really bad decision-making on both sides. You know, I think there've been a lot of criticisms of the offense and dirt cutter, and I think they're justified. 
Uh, so I'm going to go, but I, I do think they're going to score a lot because, as you mentioned, Gina, the you know Green Bay's defense is missing several guys, and they're already sort of a you know mediocre unit to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think this will be something like Green Bay 42, Falcons 35, like a shootout, a true shootout. Um, which, of course, now that you and I both said that, is probably going to be a 12 to nine game. So. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thank you for all the feedback on Twitter, on the falcoholic.com, and of course, our new falcoholic podcast voicemail line. We do really appreciate it. Uh, if you guys like this format, let us know. Uh, tweet us at uh, falcoholic pod um, or our own independent uh, uh, Twitter handles. Uh, so, Gina, on that point, why don't you tell our listeners where they could find you, what you've got going on? You can find me at Gina Thomas um, on Twitter. And I am, I've got actually a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, if you didn't happen to see the feature that I wrote on Howie Long on SBNation.com, um, please go check that out. I, it just it was fantastic. I really enjoyed writing it. And I just, I like, I have to say, if you're looking for something that's, you know, a little bit lighthearted and fun and, you know, it's just something to kind of take our minds off of everything that's happening right now. That's, that's how I felt about that piece. So it's a really good piece and it's, it's evergreen because it's just a feature. So I would say if you're looking for something uplifting to read, go read that. Um, you can find me on SB nation's new um, NFL podcast. My show is the football cheat sheet with my co-host Amir Tyree from DraftKings nation. And we talk every week about, Fantasy advice, uh, DFS. Last week, I'm proud to announce that I remembered to set my DFS lineup. And then <laughs> won our football cheat sheet contest last week. Amir came in second. So, you know, you can also check out my Twitter. I post that link every week and you can come play against us and uh, let me take your money. Alcoholic.com. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of other full-time work stuff going on. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Uh, updates on this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And, of course, our articles daily at Falcoholic.com. So for Gina Kelly, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time. <laughs>